This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Today's scripture reading is taken from Luke chapter 8, verse 1 to 21, and I'll be reading from NIV. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirit and disease. Mary caught Madeline, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Chuzat, the manager of Herod households, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. While a large crowd was gathering, and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the bird ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plant withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorn, which grown up with it and choked the plant. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop, a hundred times more than was sowed. When he said this, he called out, Whoever has ear to hear, let them hear. His disciple asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing, they may not see, though hearing, they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil come and take away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Verse 16. No one like a lamb and hide it in a clay jar or put it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought up into the open. Therefore, Consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken from them. Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, Your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. This is the word of the Lord. I will pass this time to Pastor Andrew. Hey, uh, let's go to God in prayer. 
Dear Father, as we come before you today, uh, we truly want to thank you for your word. And we pray that this morning as we listen to your word, it would really speak powerfully and challenge us to really reflect on how we listen to your word. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Many years ago, I was an auditor. And uh, one day I was working in the office and my senior came to tell me something important. He said, okay, Andrew, uh, I want you to go to this building, go to this floor, and go to this office on a certain day. Anyway, so I was really busy. I was like, yeah, 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 okay, sure, 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 sure. Anyway, the day came. I made my way to the building. Then I couldn't remember which floor it was. And I also couldn't remember which office it was. And in those days, you didn't have a mobile phone, right? So I had to go hunt around, get a telephone, then try to call back my office, try to find my senior, try to find out where we were supposed to meet. And so that was a really embarrassing situation for me. I guess it really shows that I was a really bad listener. But it's not really a surprise, actually, because when I was growing up, my mother always used to say things to me like, why don't you listen to what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I said? Can you please concentrate? For some of you, that might seem uh, very familiar. I'm looking at some of the young people here. Yep. Because really, in reality, I wasn't a very good listener, but I was very good at daydreaming. But I realized after a while that if you're a bad listener, bad things happen to you. So if you don't listen properly, right, if you're a bad listener, then you don't realize actually there are questions on the other side of the exam paper. You know, if you don't listen properly, then you don't know what floor your audit team is. But as much as it's a bad thing to be a bad listener generally, today we're going to see how if you're a bad listener when it comes to Jesus, then it's not just that bad things happen, but fatally, eternally, super awful things happen to you. Now, the context comes in chapter 8, verse 1, and we see that Jesus was traveling around from village to village, town to town, city to city, and what was he doing? He was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Now, this is really important. We're going to keep coming back to this, right? This is the context of what we're reading today, that Jesus is going around proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Now, today we're going to be looking at what it means to be a good listener. Now, Jesus was here, if you can see the slide, right? And he's preaching the good news to the crowd. But just because the words are coming out of his mouth doesn't mean that they are listening properly. And so, I remember reading this book many years ago, you know, because I want to become a better listener, the good listener. Law number one, how to be a good listener. How the listener receives the message or how the listener, what the listener does with the message. And so today, as we look at the words of Jesus in the parables, we see that it's full of the family of the hearing words, the understanding words, the receiving words. So the main thing that Jesus is really, really interested in is how people listen. Listen to his message about the kingdom of God. And so today, if you look at your Bibles, some of you may see that the subtitle says, The Parable of the Sower. But actually, I think that's a wrong description, right? Because it's actually the parable of the soils. Jesus is not so much interested in the speaker or the communicator, which is himself, but he's more worried about the soils, the different sorts of hearers, the different sorts of listeners. 
Now, the first thing I want to point out to you guys is, is that really it's a complex three-point parable. Now, you might say, how come it be a three-point parable when there are all these four soils, right? But actually, it's three points because it's about the sower and the different soils. And the point that I really want you to pay attention to is that in its original context, in its local context, the sower is only interested in the good soil and the bad soil. He's only interested in crop or no crop. Now, in the ancient world, I remember reading this book. Uh, I, you can borrow from the library. It's actually a really in- interesting book. I said it's got a few too many uh, sex scenes. But it's a, part of the story is about this guy who's living in England in 1000 AD, and he's a farmer. Now, if you're a farmer in the ancient world, I tell you, it's a really terrible business. I, 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 know, I couldn't understand why anybody would want to be a farmer in the ancient world. Because if you have a good harvest, then you have money to buy seeds for the next crop. You can feed your family and you can live. If you have a bad harvest, no crop, you starve, you can't pay your landlord, you die. So in the ancient world, people are only interested in the good soil and the bad soil. He's only interested in crop, no crop, harvest, no harvest, fruit or no fruit. And so there's a mistake that many people make, some people make anyway, in thinking that, oh, okay, there are these four soils, some are more acceptable than others, but there's a gradient of acceptability. And that's why, if you look at this, uh, kids, uh, sorry, this kid's illustration, it says that the good soil is the best soil. But that's the wrong, wrong application, right? Because it's almost like saying that the other soils, some of them can be more acceptable than others. But that is wrong, 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 right? What the parable really is saying is a three-point parable. There is good soil and there is bad soil. Now, the parable works at the literal level, where if you listen to it, it's just about this guy and he's sowing seed in the different soils. But Jesus tells us, actually, he tells this parable at a spiritual level. So what the parable does is at the literal level, there are these details, but at the parable level, details within the parables have a spiritual reference, a spiritual referent. Okay, so the the sower is probably Jesus or God working through Jesus. The seeds are God's word. Chapter 8, verse 1, the word which Jesus had been preaching about, the kingdom of God, all right? And so, He looks at the first bad soil, which is the the seed which lands on the hard path, which gets eaten up by the birds. And so what does this mean? Well, at a deep, profound level, what it's really saying is the seed of God's word is preached. Okay, The seed of God's word is preached. It is heard by the hearers. But the word cannot take root in the heart. The heart, in a sense, is like the hard ground of the path. The seed cannot find fertile ground in the heart. It goes to the heart, no penetration, the devil takes it away. Now, I remember many years ago, there was this uh, guy I tried to share the good news of Jesus with. He was an older guy, and actually I found out later that he was a neighbor of our elder George. You know George, elder George? And so elder George invited him to church. I invited him to church. We all tried to share the good news of, uh, of, of the kingdom of God with him. 
he was exactly like this. The word would go into his ear and it would, it would reach the heart, but the heart was not receptive. For him, the preaching, the good news of the kingdom of God was no different to reading the news or reading the Chinese novel or even reading the menu of a restaurant. It was impacting his rock-hard heart and then the devil was taking away the word. Now I wonder whether for some of you today, you may be like that. The word comes into your ear, but the heart doesn't present any fertile ground for the word of God, of the proclamation of the kingdom of God to take root, to grow and to mature. There is no fertile ground for the seed of God, the word of God to grow. Now this is a very, very serious, serious thing, right? Because Jesus goes on to say that bad listeners, bad things happen, right? Now if you're a bad listener to Jesus, what happens? You do not believe the word of God that's preached to you and you are not saved. Now if you're a bad listener to Jesus, the most tragic, terrible and terrifying thing happens because you have no salvation. No salvation. You go to hell and you're condemned. And so this is a great tragedy for the hard soil, the, 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 the seed that lands on the hard path. Now, the parable then goes on to talk about the second sort of bad soil, which is the rocky soil. These are the people who receive the word with joy, but they are superficial in their faith, superficial in their commitment. Again, a bit of uh, local geography, a local context is important. So, in Palestine, in Israel, they have soil, and on the surface it looks like good soil, but below the soil, just below the soil, there's a, there's a I guess, a floor of limestone. So for the farmer, he's walking around, you know, the ancient farmer a thousand years ago, he's walking around, he's looking around, and this soil looks good. But he cannot see that underneath that soil is a, is a layer of limestone. So he plants the seed, the seed grows, looks very promising, but then what happens is the root cannot grow deep. The plant cannot mature. There's no nutrient for the plant. And so when the hot sun comes, then the plant will start wilting and dying. Now, in the same way for us as listeners of the proclamation of the kingdom of God, what Jesus is saying is that when the heat of the time of testing comes, the Christian who is superficial in faith, superficial in commitment, they will wilt under that pressure. Now, we already saw in our responsive reading in Luke chapter 6 that Jesus had already said that, look, in the future, blessed are you when men hate you, when men exclude you, when men insult you, and men reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. And here we see exactly what Jesus is talking about. Instead of radical discipleship, radical commitment, and radical loyalty to Jesus in the face of heat of testing, we see that this person cannot take opposition, persecution, and hostility. So I know that 
when I was uh, in university, we tried to do evangelism with overseas students. And even in Singapore, sometimes, you know, we, there are overseas students that join us. And I remember one of the great worries that we always had is when people become Christians, one of the great worries we really have is when they go back to their home countries to see their parents. I remember many years ago, there was this Thai guy from Thailand. He was super enthusiastic, right? You know, he heard the gospel, came to church, he went to all the camps, he wanted to get baptized. But then he went home to Thailand for his holidays, and then he met strong opposition from his parents. When he came back, he said, oh, you know, I've decided that I won't get baptized anymore. I I can't come to church so frequently, but I promise that I will remain a Christian. As far as I know today, he's fallen away from Christ. He doesn't go to church. Now, I think that as we look at the passage, we see that that's what's happening, isn't it? It's not enough just to hear the Word of God. It's not enough just to give it fertile ground in your heart. You need to be able to persevere through the heat of testing. Uh, When people oppose you, persecute you, are hostile to you, the danger is the the rocky ground, the person will wilt and fall away and walk away from Jesus. But as we look at the passage as well, I think that the time of testing cannot just be limited or restricted to persecution or opposition. It can also be testing in other ways. I've met Christians who fall away after they become Christians because of the testing of a time of illness, perhaps a time of losing a job, or maybe a a relationship uh, crisis, or maybe not having children. And I think that this Saul, in a sense, warns us, right, that that as Christians, uh, we will face testing and we need to keep persevering in Christ. Now, the third soil is the soil of the thorny ground. The key word, I think, which defines the thorny ground is where the faith or the commitment or the seed is choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. Now, this word here, choked, is not something which happens instantaneously, but it's the idea of a gradual, slow dying of faith. One commentator compared it to a slow-growing but fatal cancer. It doesn't happen overnight, right? It almost happens invisibly. It's like the Word of God is growing in a person's life, but over time, competition from the other things of this world choke the growth of that faith, choke the growth of that seed. And, you know, I've witnessed that this can be good things. Good things can come and choke your faith. Many years ago, there was a family that used to join our church and they stopped coming. So one day, uh, we were having lunch at Chicken Chop and uh, I bumped into them and I asked them, you know, oh, how are you? What's happening? Anyway, they were a bit sheepish and they told me, oh, you know, we stopped coming to church on Sundays because, you know, the kids had tuition on Saturdays and Sunday afternoons and we really wanted some family time. So we decided that we would go swimming on Sunday mornings. Well, swimming is a good thing. Quality time with your family is a good thing. But you can see, right, all these good things, the tuition on Saturdays, the tuition on Sunday afternoons, the swimming on Sunday mornings. At the end of the day, these things choked 
the faith and the seed of this family. I had a friend of mine uh, who was in my Bible study group, and uh, he had lots of work, but he also decided to do MBA. He told me, you know, after I finish my MBA, I'll come back to church. I still haven't seen him. Nothing wrong with an MBA, it's a good thing. But you know, it was like the, the thorns that choked his faith. There was a couple I knew who started a hobby, and their hobby required them to be away a lot on the weekends again. After a while, I never saw them, and uh, as far as I know, they're no longer Christians. See, all these things are good things, right? All these things are worthwhile things in its own way, in their own, on their own. But together, all these things are like competition, the thorns which choke the seed growing in the individual. Again, I think the local geographical context is quite important. <clears throat> so I, I happened to go to this guy's blog, and he took this photo not too long ago, just a couple of years ago, and these are uh, the thorns which actually grow in Palestine and Israel, right? So this was taken at this place called uh, in Golani Junction near Cana in Galilee. So you can actually see that uh, this is the Google map. It's actually right in the heart of Israel. But these thorn trees are huge, right? I mean, when I say thorns, you, you might think like the only experience we have of thorns is like the thorns of a rose, right? But the thorns in Israel, in its original context, are, they, are these huge plants which are six feet, right? It's like as high as the door that you just came in. And the amazing thing is the thorns are itself are like these huge, huge thorns, right? Bigger than your hands. So when Jesus talks about the seed which grows among the thorns, which are choked by these thorns, these are not like your rose thorns. These are like super-duper steroid thorn trees with huge, huge thorns. And so if you think about it, the seed of God's word, which is growing in your heart, in your life, in your faith, faced with these super-duper thorns and the size of the thorns, which are the size of your hands, well, your faith and the seed that's growing in your life has very little chance, isn't it? And that's why Jesus is warning the listener, Jesus is warning those who are acutely aware of these thorns, just how dangerous uh, these thorns are to the listener. Now, again, we did our responsive reading in Luke chapter 6. And I think Luke chapter 6 also, in a sense, helps us to understand a bit about what Jesus is saying. He talks about those who are woe. And I want you to notice there's a pattern here, right? There's a sense of woe to your rich. Why? Because you already receive your comfort. Woe to you who are well-fed now. Woe to you who laugh now. And so in many ways, the thorns are like the thorns of now, right? It's a preoccupation with the worries of the now, the preoccupation with the pleasures of now, the preoccupation of the riches of now, which takes the person's priorities and focus away from the kingdom of God, which in a sense is not just in the here and now, but, but definitely fulfilled in the future. So for us, as we listen to uh, what Jesus' parable is saying, we need to pay deep attention, isn't it? Because these thorns could be like these six-foot thorns in our lives which are threatening the seed of God growing in us. Now, the last soil that Jesus talks about is the 
good soil. Now, I want, you, I want us to pay attention to what the description of the good soil is because I think often we kind of like skip through it, right? Oh, okay, the, the good soil produces a good crop. But Jesus actually says a lot more than that. He says, the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, but don't just hear the word, but retain the word and persevere in the word. Now this word here, retain, if you look in the ESV translation, is the word hold on. And this word perseverance, you know, together with hold on, are words of effort, words of sweat, words of tears, you know. So I know that uh, some of the ladies in our church are really into uh, bouldering or rock climbing. And the word here, retain, is, is almost like the sense of holding on really tightly to the rock face, the, the rock wall, right? You know, you've got to hold on to the word of God in the same way. Because when the period of testing comes, when the time of crisis and heat comes, it takes effort for you to hold on to the word of God. Perseverance is required when there's temptation of all these other things of the now and already, which threaten to be like the thorns which block the growth. So at the end of the day, what uh, Jesus is really saying is you need not just to hear the word, but actively retain the word, actively persevere in the word so that you will produce a crop. Now, what is this crop that Jesus has in mind? Well, it must be obviously about listening to the word of God, maybe loving the neighbor, forgiving others, being merciful, proclaiming God's word, all these things, right, are included. But whatever it is, it tells us that to be a good listener in Jesus' eyes, to be a true follower of Jesus and disciple of Jesus, is not just the initial hearing and the initial saying, I believe, but there must be retaining, persevering, and producing fruit. So I remember there was this quote in a commentary that I read where the danger is that we think that once someone says, okay, I want to be a Christian, that they're truly a disciple of Jesus. Yeah, I want to be a Christian and I'm a true follower of Jesus. But the parable of the soils tells us that that is not true. That what God is looking for, what Jesus is looking for, is not just the hearing and the taking to heart, but the retaining, the persevering, and the producing of the fruit which comes from obeying the Word of God. Now, I've been noticing this phenomena recently. I've been reading about it. Sometimes I meet people. Uh, and I guess it's very uh, apt that I'm speaking now in the second service because there are a lot of young Christians here. And deal, you know, a lot of second-generation Christians. Their parents are pretty strong Christians. They go to church. They go to good churches. But some second-generation Christians, they'll say things like, I'm a Christian. I've been in the church all my life. I know what the Bible says, but I don't think I need to follow everything that the Bible says. Can this person be the good soil? Cannot, right? You may know what the Bible says, you may hear what the Bible says, you may be 
in the church, but if you choose not to retain the word, persevere in it, and produce and obey what the word says, then you are not the good soil. Some other second generation Christians I've met or read about say things like, I don't really need to go to church or read the Bible. I can hear what God is saying to me in my own way. Can that person be the good soil? Cannot, right? Because if you're not even wanting to hear what Jesus is saying, you're not even willing to receive the seed of God's word, then can you be the good soil? You cannot be, right? So at the end of the day, what Jesus is looking for is for good listeners, good listeners who will hear, take to heart, retain, persevere, and produce a crop. Now, we're going to now address why Jesus speaks in parables. Why does he use parables? What's the purpose of the parables? Well, in between the parables, right, in Luke chapter 8, Jesus says, when Jesus said this, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples asked him, oops, his disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others I speak in parables so that those seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. Now, the first thing we see here is that Jesus gives a challenge to good listening, right? He who has ears, let him hear. Now, this is so, so important because listening to a parable takes time, takes effort, takes reflection. And we're going to be looking a bit more at that. I remember uh, hearing that there was this uh, survey about the average attention span of human beings, okay? So what do you think is the average attention span of a human being? Well, it used to be 12 seconds in 2000, year 2000. Then when they did another survey, survey in 2013, it was 8 seconds. So who knows what it is now in 2022, right? But it means that our attention span is actually less than a goldfish. Lah, all right? So what Jesus is saying here is, look, you can't just spend 8 seconds paying attention to the parable. You need to really think about it, reflect about it, chew over it. And you really must desire to want to understand it, figure it out, whatever it takes, so that you can apply it to yourself. See, Jesus actually gave this quote from Isaiah, right? Though they may see, but never really see. Though they may hear, but never understand. The context of Isaiah was that of a people who are turning away from God, hard-hearted away, hard-hearted and rejecting God. And so Jesus says, look, the parables are spoken to the crowd, right? But for those in the crowd who are hard-hearted, who turn their backs on Jesus, who don't really, really want to put the effort to have a relationship with Jesus, to want to come to him to find out what he's saying, then the parables, in a sense, become like a barrier, a wall, an obstacle to the entry into the kingdom of God. For these people, it would just be a literal story about birds and seas and plants and growth. But for the person who wants to know Jesus, who wants to find out about these parables, then the parable is not just 
a wall or barrier, the parable becomes like a bridge, an entry point for which a person understands and enters into the kingdom. See, when you think about it, the parables are not descriptive. The parables are not told by Jesus to describe all the different sorts of people who have who've, you know, approached Jesus and, and responded positively to him or, or approached Jesus and responded negatively. The parables of Jesus are prescriptive. They're trying to, in a sense, get people to be the right soil. So the parable works in different ways, right? The parable works at a literal level where it's just about the story of this guy who's throwing seed about, the different soils. But then it works at a spiritual level where Jesus teaches them the spiritual message of the parable. But it doesn't end there because there is the application level. It's not enough just to hear and to understand, but there must be a desire for the listener to want to apply the parable to their life. We will see in weeks to come in the book of Luke that actually the Pharisees understand the parables. The Pharisees can understand, they hear and understand what the parable is saying, but they are unwilling to apply the parable to themselves. And so for us, as we listen to this parable, Jesus is not condemning you to be the bad soil. Right? It's not like you, you know, Jesus saying, okay, you are the bad soil and that's it. Jesus is telling you, listen. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Listen, right, to what the parable is saying. He's exhorting you to, to reflect on the parable, reflect on your own life and be the good soil. Now this is so, so important because Jesus goes on to then share, in a sense, another parable and another incident which teaches us the cost of why it's so important to be a good listener. So in verse 16 it says, No one lights a lamp and hides it in a jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, he puts it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has will be taken from him. Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, Your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, My, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Now what does this mean? Okay, the light or the lamp is not like our torchlight today, right? It's like an oil lamp. Now this oil lamp is not meant to be put in the jar or the vase because that defeats the purpose of the lamp, right? You know, if you put the lamp, the oil lamp into the vase, then the whole room is in darkness. The oil lamp is not meant to be put under the bed because again, if you put it under the bed, it doesn't fulfill its purpose, right? The whole room again is in darkness. But the oil lamp is meant to be put on the stand at the highest place so that the, the lamp will shine light into this room. Now, what is Jesus saying here at a parable level? Here, this is what he's saying at a literal level. I think contextually, the, the light is the proclamation of Jesus, right? 
the words of Jesus, the proclamation of the kingdom of God. Specifically, as we see in chapter 8, verse 1, is the proclamation of God's kingdom, the kingdom of God. Probably also Jesus has in mind the parable of the sower. Now, proclamation, preaching, can bring light in an illuminating way. It can illuminate, it can shine in a positive sense. But I want you to pay attention here because Jesus says that actually Jesus' proclamation of the kingdom and of the soils can have a negative quality, a threatening quality, a frightening quality. Verse 17 says, For or because there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. So what he's saying is, look, at the very last day, whether people are in the kingdom of God or out of the kingdom of God will be disclosed and, dis- and, and, and made known and brought out into the open. What sort of soil you are will also be disclosed or made known or brought out into the open. So the proclamation of Jesus about the kingdom of God, about the soils, it's not just illuminating people, but for those who reject and are bad listeners, there is a judging quality to it, right? Because on the last day, that, that preaching will, will show whether they're really in the kingdom, what sort of soil they are, the good soil or the bad soil. The implication then, in verse 18, therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Now, I think this translation is a very weak translation. Consider carefully. Nobody talks about that anymore, right? Literally, the word here is a command, right? Take heed. Beware. Be warned. Watch out, right? If the proclamation of the kingdom of God, the proclamation of the parable of the sower, has this negative quality of judgment at the very end, then you need to beware, be warned, watch out and take heed how you listen. Because whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have even what he thinks he has will be taken away from him. Now this is so, so important, right? Because we could be sitting here or you could be a second generation Christian and if you're a bad listener, you're hearing but it's not going to your heart and you're not retaining, you're not persevering or producing a crop, that what you think you have, God's word, a relationship with God, the kingdom of God, all these things will be taken away from you. You will lose it. It is only as good listeners, right, where truly God will give us in its fullest fulfillment at that last day, the kingdom of God, total family relationship with Jesus and himself and the fullness of God's word. So, in conclusion, one of my sad memories as a child was uh, I had a really good childhood friend and we used to, uh, I wasn't Christian then, we went to a party. And at the party, my friend had borrowed his father's car and had driven there, but he drank quite a lot of alcohol. So he was obviously... Uh, drunk and unable to drive. 
So all of us, myself, my other friends, his good friends, we all said to him, look, why don't you just take a taxi home? Right, you know, don't go, don't drive, like whatever you do, don't drive. Stay here, sleep it off. But you know, he was a bad listener. He didn't want to listen to us in the end. He drove his car even though he was obviously drunk and unable to. And so, he had an accident and he damaged a lot of other cars. And so as a result, his father had to pay the cost of repairing his car. He had to pay for the cost of repairing all the other cars that uh, he damaged. I went with him to court where he stood before the judge where he was charged and he was banned for driving for quite some time. See, he was a bad listener and bad things happened to him. But as we've seen in this passage, nothing is so bad as to be a bad listener to Jesus. To be a bad listener when it comes to the Word of God, particularly as it comes to the Kingdom of God. So I just want to take two of the key verses I feel from the parable to teach us what it's really saying. Therefore, consider carefully, take heed, be warned, beware how you listen. Because the seed of the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, but that's not enough, right? Retain the word of God, and by persevering the word of God, produce a crop. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, we truly pray for each and every one of us here who are sitting in this hall, that as we've heard your word, that your seed would find fertile ground in our hearts that we would truly retain it, hold on to it, to persevere in it and to produce a crop. May we not be like those who are of the shallow soil who fall away from you when we face opposition or crisis or suffering. We prayed as well that there will not be thorns in our lives, huge, six-foot-tall thorns which choke the seed and our faith, but rather that we will, each and every one of us here, consider carefully how we listen and indeed to retain your word, persevere in it, and to produce a crop and know that on the last day uh, we will be given all things. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, thank you, Pastor Andrew, for sharing the words. Before we go into discussions, uh, Pastor actually prepared a video for us to watch. So, watch first.
wanna be bird seed. Uh-huh. I wanna grow in rows and rows and rows and rows. I wanna be the good soil, the stuff that makes great mud pies, the stuff where all the plants grow. Way up until the ten meters high. Visit us online at busypc.sg.